0: Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. Father God, we love you this morning. We thank you. thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I pray right now that you just open up our ears so we can hear the message that you put on Pastor's heart. And I ask that you bless him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer, Nick. I want you to do me a favor and do yourself a favor, and I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you are worthy of good things. Everybody, look around you, the person next to you, the person behind you. You are worthy of good things. You're worthy of good things. I know that some of you looked at someone else and you're like, you're worthy of good things. They are worthy of good things, okay? They are. They are. And you are. Hey, we're starting a brand new series. And in this series, as you can tell, it's called Habits, but we're we're talking about... Not only habits that we have, we're talking about habits that we need to keep, maybe some habits that we need to let go of. And also, today we're going to talk about how we are, because of Christ, we're worthy of good things. And because of that, we're worthy of good habits and how to bring these habits into our life to shape who we are in Christ. Anybody excited about that? Say amen. If you're not, be quiet. Okay, good. It worked. So here's the thing. Much of our spiritual life we talk about and what we do within our spiritual life, we, just, we live in one aspect of our life. We live in the spiritual side, and I get it. The spiritual side is the most important. But there are other aspects of you that help you to become the person God wants you to be. Every part of your life should be touched by Christ it means that your mind, your body and your spirit should all be touched by Christ. There should be impacts within all of you that helps shape you to make you to be more like him. You see, again, much of our life is spent in in other areas of our life. So we tend to neglect things that aren't spiritual. We tend to neglect where our mind goes in certain aspects. We tend to to neglect even our physical health. We tend to neglect even our relationships, and we can take those for granted. And yet, if we were to have all of those under the umbrella of Christ, I believe that God would bring good things into all of those areas. Every one of those areas, is, if we're in Christ, is to be touched. By God. As a matter of fact, I'll say it in this way: the goal of the spiritual journey is a transformation of self. The goal of the of the spiritual journey is a transformation of self. It's the transformation of all of you, every aspect of you, the way you relate to other people, the way that you relate to God, when you look in the mirror, the way that you relate to yourself and the habits you keep within those areas of life. Because the goal of the, the spiritual journey in life is a journey. Can we say amen to that? And it's a marathon, is it not? It's long, 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 long. It's long. It's longer than what we think. It's harder than what we think. And there are times in between. We need to incorporate things into our life to help us to keep moving in the direction that God wants us to go. Just to kind of bring in three different aspects of history, and these are in chronological order not on purpose, found that out on accident, but they're all in chronological order, are saying the same thing, that the goal of the spiritual journey is a transformation of self. This is the way that uh, Augustine said this over a 1,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, nearly. Uh, He said it in this way, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself and that I may know Thee. So there's a connection that, that what he's saying here is Augustine in his prayer, he's saying there's a connection with knowing God and also knowing who it is that we are as individuals, knowing every aspect of our life. Thomas Aquinas he said it in this way, a humble self-knowledge is a surer way, that's his quote, is a surer way to God than a search for deep learning. In other words, he says a humble self-knowledge is a sure way to connect with God or to be with God. Then just the search for deep learning. In other words, not just knowing the Bible in verse, but also allowing, that, that, the, allowing the biblical verses to then incorporate into our life to transform every aspect of our life. And John Calvin, in his book, Institutes of the Christian Religion, he said this, Nearly the whole of the sacred doctrine consists in these two parts, knowledge of God and of selves. These, these three authors are, are saying the same thing, that it takes a knowledge of self, and if we have a knowledge of ourself and we have an identity that's rooted in God, the more we get to know God, the more that we get to know ourself, and the more we get to know our truer self, the deeper we grow in our relationship with God. And this creates a tension, and I can feel it in the room, because many of us don't know who we are. We don't, we don't know who we are. We maybe know some verses. We slap some verses on a refrigerator or in our car or on our phone or maybe on in, in our, our Facebook feed. We just slap some verses up, but yet those, those truths that link to those verses haven't seeped into us. So when we look in the mirror, we really don't know who we are or we don't really appreciate who we are. But you are worthy of good things. I'm convinced of this. If you know who you are, then you're going to know what you're supposed to do. If you know who it is that you are as an individual, you're going to know what to do. And the converse of that is also true. If you don't know who you are, you may flounder through life and not know what it is that you're supposed to do. Because your identity is connected to your purpose. It always has been and it always will be as followers of Jesus. Your identity is connected to your purpose. You cannot claim an identity in Christ and not be on mission for God or not to live out the purpose for Him. And yet, it is not wise to just try and live out your purpose and mission... Without God. That's not wise. Because you're going to tire out. And then you're, you're, you're going to tire out. And you're going to eventually tap out. There's a passage of scripture. A couple passages we're going to dig into. The first one comes by way of 2 Corinthians 5. Looking at verses 14 through 17. And there's one particular verse in here that's very familiar. And as we dig into this. I'll just give you a little bit of, of understanding about this. In the Bible... Of the 66 writings, books, letters, whatever, however they come about, the 66 books, we'll call it, of the Bible, two of them have the name Corinthians. There was actually four total letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Second Corinthians is actually the fourth of the four. Uh, number three is lost in antiquity, and number one is also lost in antiquity, so they didn't make their way into the Bible, but two and four did. 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter. The third letter is much like the second letter. Who's confused? Say amen. Amen. Good. So we're in 2 Corinthians right now. This letter is an interesting one because in 2 Corinthians has a little different tone than 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was like, it was kind of harsh and direct and it was just like, hey, you're doing pretty much everything wrong. You need to get it right. Here's how. Learn to love people and don't don't walk on people and don't allow them to walk on you. Your gift is just as important as their gift, but love is more important than all those gifts. That pretty much summarized uh, 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians has a little different tone. In, In near about the middle of 2 Corinthians, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, For Christ's love compels us. The word compel is interesting because the word compel means to urge on. It also can mean to exercise continuous control over something or someone. So to exercise continuous control over something or someone. For Christ's love compels us. It urges us on. Because we are convinced what the Apostle Paul says. And if we're in Christ, this is us. Let's read this together. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And that verse, again, is the one that you most likely have have heard before. But in verse 14, the Apostle Paul, he, he just states very clearly. He says, for Christ's love compels us. This is the very identity that we cling to, that we cling to Christ that of all the other identities that we may have on earth, this identity trumps them all. And, and not only does that identity define us, but also it controls us, it compels us, it urges us on. I get kind of tired of this, and I just want to give you my opinion on something. I get kind of tired of when Christians, they, they, they just live as if they're just miserable sinners. And they have their head down all the time, and they're just like, you know, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I'm like, lift, lift your head up, brother or sister in Christ. That's not who God's making you to be. Don't wallow in your past sin. If, if you're in Christ, Christ's love compels you to be different and to live different and to know different and to believe differently about you. So lift your head up. You're not just a miserable sinner saved by grace. Instead, you are a victorious Brother and sister in Christ, you are a child of God. Live in victory. Live in that freedom. Know that freedom. Know the word of God. See the scriptures that cling to your spirit. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, that Jesus died for all. And therefore all died, meaning all of us who have committed our lives to Jesus, that's who he's talking about. Therefore all died. We've died. We're, we're, We're dead to our old self. We we changed address. We don't live there anymore. And we're not going back. We were once in shame and now we're in victory. We once didn't know who we were and now we know who we are in Christ. Identity rooted in him. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who, who live should no longer live for themselves. He's just building upon the same point. Verse 15. That's what he's doing. He's building upon what he said in verse 14. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Because we don't live there anymore. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we once didn't know. We, we weren't spiritually awake. But now that we're spiritually awake, we're spiritually aligned with God. Therefore if that's true of you if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old has gone and the new has come. You know in all of creation human beings are the only ones who who grasp for identity. If you're look for look at a tulip a tulip's not like wondering am i a tulip today? I don't know. I feel like a rose. It's like it's just a tulip. It just is. It just is. Like, if you look at an oak tree, an oak tree's not scratching its head. It says, I don't know. I'm either a deciduous tree or I'm a coniferous tree. Google that. You'll figure out what that means later. (laughs) Oak trees don't have cones. That's basically what that means. It's like, it's not trying to scratch its bark and be like, I don't know what I am today. We as human beings are the only ones who try and grapple with identity on all of earth. Everything else just exists and glorifies God in the state that God created it. And yet we're the ones, because we've been tainted by sin, we're the ones who struggle with with identity. In preparing for this message, I was thinking about my youth and thinking about all the different lesser identities that that I tried on as as a kid and then up until now. And, And I thought about, when I was really young and I was, I was a BMXer and I wanted to be a BMXer and I had a BMX bike and I wasn't really good at it, I fell a lot. Um, so I gave that up pretty quickly, but I was a BMXer for a minute. And then I was a skateboarder and I was the skater kid and, and I loved that and, and I connected with that crew and, and, and all of that and, and I, I became that for a little while and then I kind of got into the heavy metal scene and then I was like, wow, it's kind of neat. There's a, a heavy metal scene within skaters sweet I guess I'm a heavy metal skater kid I guess I don't really know but I guess that's going to be me for a minute and and then I I, I got a car and, and all of that my interest changed and found my wife and things changed and didn't have a skateboard anymore but I have a skateboard now you bought it for me just saying inside I'm still that skater kid in some ways I just am but it's like through my upbringing, I had all of these these lesser identities, and then I went into the navy, and I was like, "Oh, I'm a sailor now," and that what didn't last long. And then I was a mechanic, and, and then it was like, "Oh, now I'm now I'm like not a, a service member anymore. Now I'm, I'm out of the service, and now I'm a mechanic. And then I, you know, I'm a husband, and I'm, I'm a dad, and, and eventually God made me to be a, a preacher of the gospel, and 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 for the last twenty years, I've been a a guide for men, and yet all of these identities, as great as they are, pale in comparison to my identity rooted in Christ. And we, we just do this. We we grapple for identity. We look for certain things. And and I'm not saying that all those things were bad or good. That's that's not the point. The most important thing is is how do we define ourselves? We either define ourselves, I believe we need to define ourselves as one who's radically loved by God. Radically loved by God. And as Brennan Manning said, this is your true identity. And every other identity is an illusion, he says. Like this is who it is that God is making us to be. David Brenner said it in this way, nothing is more important for if we find our true self, we find God. And if we find God, we will find our most authentic self. Such a a great bit of truth. Now, If you could go to the right in your Bible, just a couple of books. We're going to look at Romans 7, and I think in here we're also going to see maybe some of the struggle that we have as to why we have this identity, but yet we haven't necessarily been able to see change, true lasting change, like what the Apostle Paul talked about, how the old is gone and the new has come. Some of us are like the Apostle Paul here in his letter to the Romans in Romans 7, verse 15. Again, this is kind of a familiar passage for some people. But there's an interesting bit of scripture here that we're going to dig into. The Apostle Paul being deeply personal in this letter to the Christians in Rome. He says it in this way in verse 15. He says, I do not understand what I do. For For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. A couple things we can gather from this. Willpower is not enough. Willpower is not enough. The Apostle Paul is going through and and he's saying, I I don't understand what I do. He's like, what I want to do, I can't do. What I hate, I do. I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. And I don't want to do the wrong thing, but yet I still seem to do the wrong thing. And, and, And one of the things that we have to understand is maybe the reason why you haven't seen true change in your life is because you've been operating under willpower. Not the Spirit of God, Willpower. Just trying to muster up the courage and muster up the energy and muster up the opportunity and muster up the education and muster up the money, muster up whatever it is. And yet maybe the reason why you haven't seen true, lasting, significant change is because you've been operating under willpower alone. The Apostle Paul, he diagnoses, I think, a problem for many of us. When he says all these things, he says, I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. And if I do what I don't want to do, then I agree that the law is good. This isn't a negative thing, by the way. For the Apostle Paul, he's saying, when I do the wrong thing or I say the wrong thing, I'm actually verifying that the law is good and that the law is doing what it's supposed to do. Because the law was never supposed to, the law in the Old Testament, was never supposed to bring about salvation. Instead, the point of the law was to reveal God's people's need for God it was simply to reveal their sin nature and the apostle Paul he, he's saying every time I don't do the right thing it reveals the sin that's in me he continues verse 18 I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good but I cannot carry it out for what I want to do is not the good excuse me for what I do is not the good I want to do the evil I do is not the good I want to do. And he says, this I keep on doing. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. He's starting to, to, to see and explain this shift. He said, so, so there needs to be something that's operating that's stronger than our willpower because our, our willpower goes up and it goes down. You know, as we talk about habits and this time of year we start talking about goals. Many of us have set out to, to have goals for, for not just 2023 but also 2023 and beyond, which is great. I want to affirm those goals. But I, th- I think there's, there's also maybe some very distinct reasons why we don't actually succeed in our goals. One of them is this, we focus on the what but don't understand the how. We focus on the what, like so an analogy would be a football team. Every NFL football team, they focus on winning the championship. But they're like the Bears, they just don't all know how. I'm with you. I'm a Dolphins fan. We suffer together. (laughs) If I was in Miami, I would say the Dolphins, but I'm here, so you know. You see, the thing is, winning and losing teams, they both set their eyes on the championship, but winning teams understand how to win. So it's not just the, the goal itself. You have to know what it takes to reach that goal. So sometimes we focus on the what but don't understand the how. This one I think is the most common. We just don't see progress fast enough. So we give up way too early. We just don't see it fast enough. We're like, hey, we did this thing. We we committed to to praying and like I just, yeah, it's been two days and I haven't heard from God. It's like before, I'm done. Peace out. I'll pray when it's convenient. I'll pray when I feel like it. I think sometimes we just don't see progress fast enough. And when we don't see progress fast enough, we tend to think that some bad decisions don't matter that much. And we also minimize good decisions. So an example of this would be if not seeing progress fast enough and making the wrong conclusion about these small things, we could tend to think that the small decisions don't matter as much so We could play video games for three hours, but yet if our wife doesn't immediately leave, we think, hey, it's no big deal. We're just playing video games for three hours. But yet if you play video games for three hours for the next three months, you're probably going to be seeing me. You're probably going to, hopefully you're going to be seeing me and you're not just going to be seeing a lawyer. And I'm actually not even joking in saying that. But that's a, that's a small, it seems like a small thing at the time. I'm just going to play video games for three hours. And if you do it once, you may not think that it's making a negative impact because you do it once. But if you do it continually, if you make a habit of that, then it has a lasting effect. Another thing would be more common to a lot of people. You could skip church. And you think, ah, oh, just skip church. It's no big deal. I'll just skip this Sunday. It's no big deal. I'm tired. I just want to sit at home. I'll just watch at home in my pajamas. I'm not going to be with God's people. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm just I'm comfortable at home. Oh, we're just going to take a trip. It's no big deal. I deserve a trip. We're, we don't need to be at church. After all, we can just go next week. And yet what happens is you miss church one time because you justify it, and then it's easy to justify not going the next time, and then the next time, and then the next time, and then you're wondering why you're disconnected from God's people, and then, listen, 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 and then you tend to think it's the problem is God's people looking at you differently, and the problem is you have misaligned your identity with your behavior. That's the problem. It isn't the fact that people are looking at you differently. It's the fact that you haven't been here. And yet, it's one of those things we think, "Well, we just skip church one weekend." And yet, these t- things tend to build if we make a habit of it. A little bit less heavy. Is somebody just gorges on some chocolates? Who got any chocolate lovers in here? Anyone? Anybody in denial? Raise your hand. All right. Ah, some new hands went up. I saw that. You can think, you know, if I just, if I just, you know eat a half a box of chocolates or a bag of chocolates, it's no big deal. If you do that one time, blood sugar spikes, maybe you go into a sugar-induced coma, who knows, you recover, everything's fine. But if you do that day after day after day after day, obviously it's going to have a negative effect on your health. Our life is, and even with all these things, our life is the sum total of all of the small decisions that we make. Our life is the sum total of all of the small decisions that we make. And it's the things that no one sees that brings the results that everyone wants. I could do a deep dive into the practices, into Jesus' prayer life as an example of this. Because Jesus didn't pray for show. He, He would withdraw into lonely places when no one else was up or somebody else, they were doing other things, but he would withdraw from the crowd to spend time with this father. Great example of that. It's the things that no one sees that brings the results everybody wants. And yet it's easy to get tired. Word of God tells us in Galatians 6, 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. So every little commitment that you make and every habit that you form around those those little commitments, they make a big impact and none of those are void. Your hard work, your discipline, your sacrifice, your faithfulness, it's not being wasted away. It's being stored up. So when you make a commitment, to grow in your walk with God. It may seem like a really small commitment. It may seem like a really small habit forming around or with that commitment to reach that goal, to, to be more like Jesus or whatever it is that you want to do. And just know that none of that is wasted. God is using all of those things and he's storing them up on your behalf. I also think the maybe the third reason, a third thing that, that gets in our way is this, our distorted identity sabotages our success. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. We start seeing maybe some, we start maybe seeing some, some things change in our life. And it's like, that's awesome. But yet we, we haven't really embraced our identity. So yet Satan gets in and he twists it around because our identity isn't really rooted in God. Maybe it's rooted in something else. And Satan twists it all around and, and maybe we even see some success in areas. And yet then we sabotage because we falter to what the enemy is saying to us. I'll summarize it by saying this. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. Unwise habits reinforce an unhealthy identity. It's pretty easy to see. Unfortunately, it's easier to see in somebody else's life than it is our own. This is the reason why we believe so much in community around here. This is the reason why we do such a push for life groups. This is the reason why we push for men's and women's Bible study. This is the reason why we encourage you to go have coffee with spiritual friends. This is the reason why we do what we do as a church, as, a, as an assembly, as an ecclesia, as we gather together because we understand the importance of community, because we all tend to have blind spots, and it is the grace of God when others point those blind spots out to us. You know, at the beginning of 2022, I had this, this thing I decided that my brother, he, he's sly. He sends me a message, and, or, or maybe not even a message. He'll just send me a link. Boop, he'll send me a link. And, and, and I'm up to his game. I know what he's doing. And, and so in 20, at the end of 2021, he sent me a link, and it was this, this ultra marathon in Florida. And he said nothing. It was just just a link. He's like, Pff. I know what he's doing. He knows that it's going to bother me if, if I don't look at the link. So I look at the link, and then I start wondering, like, huh, that's kind of interesting, and then, I don't know if it's, I don't know what he's up to all the time, but, but then sometimes he'll just send me a message. he would be like, hey, did you check the link? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I checked the link. Well, this time I, I checked the link, and, and I was interested, and then, and then he kind of stoked the fire, and then I stoked the fire in him, and he says, well, if you sign up for this, this ultramarathon, he's like, I'll sign up for the ultramarathon. He's a joker, though. I signed up early, and then he drug his feet, and then he eventually signed up, but he did. And I, I trained and I ran the race and it was a lot of miles and it was all of it was great and, and we finished the race and we didn't die, amen. Right? It was good, all of that. But here's an interesting thing that happened right after the race. I had—I never consider myself to be a runner, and yet. All through the training, I did exactly what I was supposed to, and I ran the race. And as I ran the race, and then I recovered from the race, I hit, the, I hit the, the, the high, the physical high, and I ran the race, and I completed the race. And as soon as the race was over, I lost my goal, and it all dipped. Because I believe, that I, I tend to be this way, most people create do-goals. It's just something you want to do. It's a moment. And that's what this was for me. It was a moment. We're going to run this race, and it was one day. And it was a, I ran for six hours, approximately six hours on this one day. And once that six hours was over, and I swore that I would never run again, and I could feel my legs again, and I recovered. And then, and then sometime later, I just started to even emotionally start to dip because I'd lost my goal. If we have due goals, it's either pass or fail which is how most of us live, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to set this. I'm going to become this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And yet when we set do goals of things that we want to accomplish, as soon as we accomplish them, we tend to dip down because it isn't deep enough in us. That's what I did. A better way to look at this would be to start with who goals. Who goals. Things that define you as a person. Things that help shape your identity in Christ. Not to gain sympathy, nor to give you a pass of not praying, but I'll just be vulnerable and tell you that there, through my whole spiritual life, I've struggled with prayer. It, it comes easy to a lot of people. It just doesn't come easy to me. And for me, I have had to set who goals, and I've had to set because I want to be not just a person who prays, but I want to be a person of prayer. That's a different thing. Before, I was the person who would occasionally pray, but I want to be a person of prayer. So I had to set some who goals. So I had to create space in the morning for me to get up early in the morning. I had to also create space to have a prayer journal to remember what it is that I'm praying for. And many of your names are actually in my prayer journal. But I, but I had to do this because I wanted to make a, a habit of being a person of prayer. I wanted to be not just someone who prayed occasionally, but I wanted to be a person of prayer. That's a who goal. Because that, that helps identify with who I am in Christ. Some of us, we simply haven't done that. We start with do goals, and we haven't embraced what it is that we're trying to embody. It hasn't reached the point of our identity. And the very purpose of who goals is to align two very important things. Identity and goals. The point of who goals is to align identity and goals. So here's some other examples. The goal isn't to lose 10 pounds if that's a goal that you may have. The goal isn't to lose 10 pounds. It's to become a person who feels worthy enough to be healthy. That's the goal. The goal isn't to give more. The goal is to be a giving type of person. The goal isn't to spend more time with your wife. The goal is is to be a better husband or wife. That's the goal. Because they help reinforce who you are. The question that I have to ask you is this. Who do you want to become? I can't fill in all the blanks for you, but who is it that you want to become? Do you want to be a true man or woman of God? Do you want to be a godly wife or godly mother? Godly grandmother? Do you be, do you want to be a bold witness? Do you want to be clean and sober and free? Do you want to be financially free? Do you want to be generous? Do you want to be a healthy person? Do you just want to be spiritually well? Who do you want to become? See, the answer is different for all of us. That's the reason why I said I can't fill in all the blanks for you because God is speaking to each and every one of you in different areas. There may be some overlap, but as God speaks to you, that identity is going to shape the actions you take. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. And when you start doing the things that you know you're supposed to do, it reinforces who you are. Who goals beats willpower. Because willpower is up and down and up and down and up and down. And I feel like it and I don't feel like it. I feel good. I don't feel good. And oftentimes that's based off of two different Dynamics, one of those is our physical health in the moment and also how we feel in the moment. Which is why many of us have been on a roller coaster for a long time and we've associated the fact that change is just not possible for us. But you are worthy of good in your life. You're worthy of it. The word of God tells us in Romans 6, 6 through 7, We know that our old sinful selves were were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Verse 18 says this. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. You are worthy of change. You are worthy of being a person that has good in your life. Healthy identity creates positive habits and positive habits reinforce a healthy identity. Which one comes first? Yes. Yes. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. And when you know and when you do what you're supposed to do, you embody who you are. So a couple of questions just before I I pray and ask this question. And we, as we respond and just declaring back to God, just praises and worship that are worthy of Him. Some questions I just want to ask you is, When you know who you are, you know what to do. So what would a healthy person eat? What would they do? What would a good husband or wife do? What would a generous person do? What would a godly person do? Or what would a wise person buy? invite you to stand when I was preparing for this message there's no gotcha in this message by the way I didn't I didn't put a gotcha in here be like all right here's this moment everybody's gonna feel bad about their bad habits that has actually been nowhere even in my thought process or in my spirit as preparing this talk I simply wanted to show you from the word of God that you're worthy of good and because you're worthy of good that identity needs to be backed up with action but it's an action that you have to take and it's an action that God leads I'm going to pray that God leads you to take whatever action that it is that he's wanting you to take and for you to to start believing that you're worthy of the good that it brings. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. As we stand and we stand together, God, I pray that you would just be with my brothers and sisters. In this moment, reinforce who they are, the scriptural truth that they're free, they're victorious. They're children of God. That their life, that they can live here on earth is abundant. That eternal life is true and it begins now. And Jesus, because of this identity, I'm asking God that you would just give us the courage to, to start asking some important questions. What should we do? What habits should we have? What commitment should we make based upon who we are? I thank you, Jesus, for meeting us right where we are and giving us the reason to sing songs like we're gonna sing right now, declaring your goodness to you and to one another.